Cosmo Babies. On this week's episode, we are joined by a very special guest who is near and dear to my heart, Cassandra McLaughlin. I am your host, Annie MacArthur, and I have my co-host with me today, Russell Mays, and we are going to jump right into it and let you get to know Cassandra, one of my favorite people in the beauty industry. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you so much for being with us today. I am so happy to see you and to talk to you and to share you with our audience. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I love that. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I know. We love the Cosmo Babies, and I feel like you are such a good person to bring on and chat with them and give them a really good perspective because I feel like you have a really unique viewpoint in the industry and you have done like literally everything, like all of the things ever. (laughs) And so I feel like this episode is going to be really good for the listeners because it's going to give them such a different viewpoint on what we're going to be talking about versus most of the stuff they've probably heard on the podcast in the past. Awesome. I'm excited to be here. I love like being able to share whatever I can. Um, Throughout my journey, it's like been such a learning experience with so many mentors along the way. And sometimes you don't recognize all the things you learn until hindsight. And so being able to come back and like absolutely and share and talk to some of the babies before they hatch feels really exciting. Yeah. So I would love for you to tell a little bit about your journey and some of the things that you have done in your career, because it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's nutshell. This. And don't be <laughs> modest. Don't be modest. Oh, Russell. <laughs> it's hard to talk about yourself, isn't it? It's like it is. I'm immediately blushing. So I started off actually not wanting necessarily like my goal was not to be a hairdresser in my life. I was in college. I was in my third year for my English degree. And I always had a massive love for the beauty industry, but I never like took it seriously as a career. It was like, go to college, do the things. And, but I had an amazing relationship with my hairdresser. They loved me. I loved them. I'd always come in with these ideas and we're like, let's do the fun things. And that's when the dark underneath and the bleach blonde on top, like all those like trends were going and super into it. Like (laughs) I was, I had a hairdresser that I actually ended up working with like almost a decade later at a Redken show. Um, He was like, you should go to hair school. And I was like, no, Darren, I can't. (laughs) Like I'm in college. And so I ended up seeing another hairdresser too that was near my college. And long story short, he was like, I don't know why I feel really called to give you this. And it was an invitation to the grand opening of the Paul Mitchell School in Tampa. And it literally, I like sat with it for a second. And I remember I had this moment on my couch where I saw this like commercial for an Aveda school come up. And I was like, I really want to do this. And it was just like this super aligned, like locked in head to toe moment where I'm like, I'm going to be a hairdresser. And like, (laughs) I literally talked to my dad the next day and to his chagrin, I was like, yeah, dad, I'm going to drop out of college (laughs) and go to beauty school. And it was just that aligned of a decision that like Mm -hmm. I knew. And so I went to the grand opening, was terrified to go in because I'm like, despite what I do for a career, which is standing on stages and talking to thousands of people, I'm an incredibly shy person. Um, and so I want to go into the grand opening by myself. And so I sat in my car and I didn't go in, <laughs> uh, but I ended up calling them and I signed up and I was the fourth student enrolled in that school. And so my, the beginning of my hair journey started with a really serious decision. And I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this all the way. And so like, when I started, I knew I wanted to do as much as humanly possible. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like a casual decision. I was like, if I'm doing this, I have to make it work. And I remember when I started, I'm like, I am going to do all the things. I'm going to educate. I'm going to be on stages. I'm going to be an amazing colorist. Like I made these decisions early on. And 
thankfully, I feel like I've done a lot of those things, but I also did the work to do it. And I put in a lot of energy at the front end of like really learning how to interact with people, how to show up. In my mind, I was like, I'm going to be a fearless hairdresser because I was so afraid of everything. I was so shy. I remember thinking that early on. And I think that attitude and that seriousness opened up so many doors because I found myself going for opportunities that like, really, I had no business going for early on. And I was like, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to show up. I'm going to assist. I'm going to give away my time. So within two years of graduating, I started educating nationally with Paul Mitchell. And then mm-hmm. with a couple years of that, I was their number one requested color educator in the country and started traveling internationally. And then social media came along. And so I actually started early on in the influencer game at like 2013, mm-hmm. doing before there's all the things. And I started sharing my formulas early on when other people actually wouldn't. They were like, no, these are proprietary. They're trade secret. And I'm like, you want to know how I did this color correction? Let me give you the 35 steps because I didn't want people to take the work for granted. A really exciting thing to be a part of. And that parlayed over the next like 10 years into independent education. I was one of the first brand ambassadors for Redken. I've worked with companies like Paul Mitchell, Redken, Alpha Park, Milano, and Common. Um, I do beauty consulting. So I actually like consult and educate on the back end where I help companies develop their teams and develop their ambassadors and help them develop their education program. I've owned three salons, um, successful, profitable salons. I've taught internationally on hair color, but also business. Um, with Bill, I did one of their very first social media educational events that they ever hosted. I'm sure there's things I'm missing, but I feel like <laughs> I've sat in digital education. I've sat in back end. I've taught in salons, which is one of my favorite things to do is one-on-one in salon education. But yeah, that's That's amazing. Yeah. And where we met was when we were on a council together within professional beauty. So that is how Cassandra and I met. And honestly, for me, I was like, this is my new best friend. Like, (laughs) definitely. It's it's funny because we met on this amazing podcast that really specializes (laughs) towards beauty school and new professionals. You should really check it out sometimes. It's called Your Cosmo Babies. <laughs> it's awesome. So it's with all of this journey that you have been on in your career, it has led you to this like really beautiful space that you service now. And I would really love to focus on that and talk about that and what you're doing today because I feel like everything in your career has led you up to what you're now doing. And that's like really coaching people, but coaching from such a different place. And I would like love for you to share about that and the differences of the coaching that you're doing today. Yeah, it's been an interesting development of how I've ended up where I'm at. So because education has always been such a big part of what I do, I feel like there's always been this natural like mentorship that's come along with it. So it's like if you're teaching someone about corrective color, I found like half the battle was like getting your mindset right ahead of time where you're not panicking the whole time. And I was always joking, like corrective color is like perpetual panic. You're like, oh my God, (laughs) what am I doing? And it's like keeping your head straight is like literally like 90% of the process. And so I always taught color from like a judgment perspective. I'm going to teach you how to make good judgments about formulation versus handing you 10 formulas and hoping that they work once in a while. Mm -hmm. And so that was always part of my education. As I got more into a consulting role, just because people were like seeking my advice, they were like, hey, you seem to know what you're doing. Like, what do you think about this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it started going into consulting and I started like finding this like middle ground where 
even like at the CEO level of some of the companies I worked with, like there was like this mindset component that came in where it was like really solid communication, confidence, clarity. So it was like hitting all the different levels from being in beauty school to like teaching in salon to CEO level where a lot of these similar, like I call them soft skills were showing up, but they're like the really important to developing like a solid career and direction. And I just found I had a knack for being able to share them in a way that like really created a level of simplistic explanation for sometimes complex conversations. And that led to, like I said, more in consulting capacity. And then my own personal life kind of got turned on its head. And I started on like a version of people call it a healing journey, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Where I'm like, I don't know like what else to call it, but it feels easy. <laughs> that's when you know you're doing it right. When it feels really awkward, yeah. that's when you're doing it right. Yeah, and like, awkward, it was fine. <laughs> but I started seeking out like things outside the beauty industry. And so like the first thing I went to, I was working with my own coaches. And then I went and got certified in neuro-linguistic programming and timeline therapy and hypnotherapy. So I was like, I can incorporate this in my education. Neurolinguistic programming is so much about how you talk to yourself and then how you communicate with other people. And so it's centered around mindset. I went even deeper and I got a certification in trauma-informed coaching. So I'm a certified master coach in trauma-informed coaching. I will say I did a lot of that selfishly. I'm like, I want these tools to take care of myself. Yeah. And this was centered around like somatic and body work. And then also like how really like triggers and trauma can show up. And a lot of times they're like super clandestine. We don't even know because we're so familiar to a dysregulated feeling. We don't even know that we're in that state. So that can show up in like snapping at a coworker or shutting down when someone gives you feedback or saying yes, when you really want to say no, like there's a lot of like little micro triggers that show up in our lives that like really impact our business. And I was seeing that manifest in my personal life. I'm like, this is true across the board. And then I'm currently in my third certification right now for what's called spiritual psychology. And it's really about taking like universal law. It's a lot more woo, which whatever I'm into, it. <laughs> but it's a lot more about like universal law manifestation and like really leaning like the potential of like what we can create in our life from like really clear, aligned, abundant place. And so all of that fine in that work, I had to do a lot of practice coaching. So I started working a lot with entrepreneurs professionals, non-beauty professionals. I was working with lawyers and artists and authors, and it was super fun to be able to see the development in all of those areas where we're like in same thing with the beauty industry. Like we're so reliant on who we are and what we are and our skill set to show up, to grow a clientele. So like, it's not just what our hands do. It's our brain, it's our mouth, it's our presence. Like it does create like relationships where people want to come back. And so it was through that whole process. I'm like, this needs to be brought to the beauty industry. This needs to, these are conversations that need to happen. Mm-hmm. And they were conversations that came out on social media too. People were like, I can never say that to my client. I can never implement a cancellation policy. I can never ask for a deposit. And I'm like, a lot of that is mm-hmm. mine. A lot of that is what happens in our body. It's not the actual policy that you're afraid of. It's mm-hmm. the rejection. Mm-hmm. The self-programming yeah. that you're saying, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so much of what we operate off of is, is fear, fear of reject. It's fear of abandonment. It's like these really core things. It's, it's not just in the beauty industry. It's in so many creative industries where like you have to show up as yourself and not just punch a clock. Mm -hmm. So that is the five-year journey of how I got. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you notice 
in reflection from where you are now that in the beginning of your career that you were doing a lot of this NLP neuro-linguistic programming to yourself with your positive self-talk of being, I'm going to be fearless, that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Did you reflect on that after you've already been through all this training? I think that's a very, it's true. I think I did. And I think I did it not from quite as an informed place, but I was also very lucky to be raised in a household where my parents, they develop salespeople. So they train salespeople and they're salespeople. And there's so much mental fix that go into sales, especially at the level that they were at. So I heard a lot of motivational speakers. It was like Saturday morning, like Jim Rohn on my dad's massive yeah. speakers playing through the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how he would wake us up. And I'm like, yeah. oh, but it was, it did impact me where I was like, okay, my, what I say to myself does matter. Mm-hmm. And I can create a timeline of my career where I made super clear aligned decisions. And there was like a naturalness to it. I'm like, I knew if I wanted to get to this level or next level, whatever, I had to have a level of focus. So even when I was in beauty school and I was like, I'm going to be fearless. It was like such a big conversation. I'm like, you are afraid of so many things and you will never be good. If like you hesitate every time you color someone's hair, or if you're afraid to like cut a layer off or whatever. Mm. And so it's stacked with the skill set. And then I remember certain experiences where I'm like, Oh, I'm kind of afraid to touch people. Or I'm like, I'm afraid to like section hair. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt them. And it's like, I could hear the fears. And I'm like, I don't want that anymore. And so it was a really clear decision. And I do think that there are some of those things that came into play without me knowing, but that's why I'm like, in hindsight, there are so many lessons to learn where yeah. had I had someone validate that or even like acknowledge it or had someone to talk to about some of those processes. I could talk about them almost 20 years later, mm-hmm. but at the time I'm like, Ooh, you're crazy. Like just keep it <laughs> to yourself, like weirdo talking to yourself or whatever. But like, it's what we have to do to keep ourselves mm-hmm. going ourselves to these levels, I think. Yeah. The level of honesty that you had with yourself is really uncommon because most people, if they have a fear, they're not even going to acknowledge that to themselves, let alone be able to deal with and and face it head on. So I think that's the first step in the level of success is I have to be honest with myself for where I'm falling short Mm -hmm. and I have to face these fears and get out of my comfort zone and my box in order to grow. That's very difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I feel fortunate to have a level of neutrality around some of it, too, because I think and I've noticed this more like it farther on my adult life. We put a lot of judgment around the things that we're afraid of. And it's like, oh, I'm afraid to do this because I'm a ex person, like I'm a bad person. I'm a I'm a mm-hmm. not good enough or whatever. And like for some reason, whatever like accumulated in my life to that point, I didn't hold a level of judgment to myself. I'm like, oh, I'm afraid of this. I don't want to be let's change it. I actually find myself in that point a lot more in my adult life, like fighting the stories. Cause there's so many years of accumulation where I'm like, Oh, I'm anxious. So I must be X, Y, and Z and start labeling myself. That's where we get into the danger zone with ourselves and other people. Mm-hmm. When we start telling ourselves stories about what it means or over identifying with an emotion where it's like, it's not just, I'm afraid of touching people. It's like, I am a fearful person. Like you start to encompass that as an identity. And I think that's where we get caught up a lot in those call it like limiting beliefs or self limitations. It's like mm-hmm. we project a story on ourselves and we become that. But so it's like it's self awareness coupled with neutrality. I think that those are the two things that are really powerful and being able to push yourself to different levels. Yeah. I've noticed something with myself over 
how like the, the year and a half that we've been doing this podcast so far is I, because this is like a similar conversation that has come up over time, look back on my journey a lot because that's what we do is like, we talk about where we were and where we've come from and where we are today. And something that has always stuck with me is looking back at cosmetology school, especially today, I always tell myself, who could I have been without all that fear? And sometimes I notice that I get like really stuck in that. And I think that is something really powerful to say to look at that from a really neutral perspective, because I notice that I do get really stuck in that mindset. I could have been somebody totally different. I could have been doing different things, bigger things, better things, other things. And it's like, stopping all of that. And I almost wish I had the ability I do and I don't, but like to go back and tell myself like it, it's okay. You're going to work through these things. You're not going to be fearful forever. Like it is going to get better with practice and repetition and everything else. But it's, yeah, it's like something I notice comes up a lot, especially again, having to talk about our journeys all the time on the podcast. It's like, oh man. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of tools to go back and actually frame a lot of those thoughts and communicate with the past version of yourself differently. That's the premise of a lot of the inner child work that people talk about. It's like going back and like reparenting inner, chi- inner children or like talking to them differently. But we can do that with all phases of our life. Um, and so interesting because it's like you don't know what you don't know until. Exactly. <laughs> like one of those things where it's like, okay, cool, you have different information. Like that fear doesn't have to stay framed the same way for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That's just the story that has been for some reason served a purpose up till now. And very often a lot of those stories are protective and like, it's really beautiful. Cause like our nervous system just tries to keep us safe and tries. And like, we can't, we have safety in different ways. Like we look for approval or we look for having control of a situation, or we look for a lot of different things that create safety. And so when we start to break down those stories and actually coming to it with a lot of love and acceptance, that's where the neutrality lives. It's like, Oh, that little baby was just trying to feel approval or that little baby was just trying to feel control. Oh, that's really sweet. He thought that it's like coming to a place of like love and acceptance. And like the neutrality lives in that where the fear doesn't feel so big anymore. And the beautiful thing about that kind of process is that it quits like holding on to something to do with our present moment. Like we, we detach from that level of story to Mm -hmm. what could I have been or what could I have done? that kind of runs in the background where it might create a version of like hesitation or like fear of showing up or, and I'm not saying that's the case, but that's how it can manifest in different ways. And so that's where this kind of work is really helpful. Like just even in your example, it's like sometimes reframe of, Oh, like she was afraid, but it was, it's okay. Like that actually allowed me to have this level of reflection and now I can do this with it Mm -hmm. or finding almost like different story to tell yourself about it. And Yeah, I think, but it's also what I love about this podcast is like being able to do that and to talk directly to students and new professionals and give them the permission to enter this industry in a much different way than we did, you know, with a lot, like a lot more information available than I think any of us really had when we all first started. That that's a big thing in the coaching industry. As you're going through certifications, people are like, what kind of coach am I going to be? What do I do? And the advice I always give is think back five years in your life. Think back 10 years in your life. Who did you need at that point? What did you need to hear? What guidance did you need? And so we get to hold that space for the new babies. It's like I yeah. can tell them all the things that I wish I would have heard when I was in school or <laughs> even get a level of encouragement or validation. Like that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. So if I am 
straight out of beauty school. I'm coming out and one of the things you had talked about is that really hit me was being fearless. Because I think a lot of times in the beginning of our career, we're apprehensive about doing anything. And I think that really holds us back from growing quickly, which we want to do. We want to be able to get out and go get a job and go be able to make a living. So I have this, this innate fear. So how do I wrap my head around being fearless while at the same time not being confident in my skills because if I, like for me, I've been doing it for six months, 20 years, 30 years. I'm freaking old. I forget. I'm so old. I forget how old I am. I've been doing it for a long time. So when a new client comes in, I have zero fear about cutting their hair unless they want something that's a little old lady bouffant that I can't do bouffant. So I'll pee myself for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going off on tangents here. But you know, the point being... I'm lacking confidence from my skill, so how do I manifest that fearlessness that I need in order to be successful? It's interesting. As you're saying that, I'm like, I think I framed it as fearless, and I think fearless was the goal, but I think the path to fearlessness is really about courage. Like, it's like doing the scary things anyways. Yeah. And I don't know if I was ever fearless, because I still had fear, but I would do it anyways. And like, part of like like this like kind of unattainable goal of truly being fearless was like this path of being courageous and i think courageous it sometimes people will mistake the idea of being fearless with being like maybe arrogant or overinflated mm. or whatever and i mm -hmm. think it's actually the opposite there's a level of humility where it's like i don't know that yet but like i sure as hell will figure it out and i'm gonna do the work to do this because i want to hold this space and i want to feel really good holding this space yeah and sometimes that involves asking for help or like seeking out guidance. Like I think courageous is is truly like having a level of vulnerability of what your skill set truly is. And I so I think it's both. It's like being willing to do things that you're not good at until you're good at them mm -hmm. and being willing to ask for help and also not sitting in the space of space of overinflated ego where it's like yeah. you need guidance yeah. and some help. So it's like the combination. Yeah. So I do think it's rooted in courage, vulnerability and humility. And I think it, it will get us as close to fearless as possible as we can. I think that they're, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think that what, you know, there's a, a line going around in the beauty business of, of fake it till you make it. I'm literally going to say thought, the same thing. <laughs> I think that does a great injustice to the industry. And I understand what the thought process and the philosophy is. It should be reframed as take action in spite of your lack of confidence or in spite of your fear and trust yourself enough to be able to work it out, figure it out. Mm -hmm. I that's think that's a far better statement than fake it till you make it. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the term fake it till you make it. And I want to know what's your feeling on that verbiage? Because we still hear it a lot in cosmetology. A lot. I, like you said, I get the premise. I get the philosophy. I think it does a massive injustice to the work that it actually takes to make it. Mm -hmm. Like there can be an undercutting where it's like, and I hear this a lot. I've talked to just even recently, a recent graduate from cosmetology school that was interviewing to assist. And they were like, I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be in the brands. I'm going to do this. I'm like, that's awesome. Here are some tangible things that you can do. To like do the work to create that mm -hmm. influencer doesn't mm -hmm. overnight mm -mm. and you have to have a follow -up. there is yeah. like a there is a prerequisite that you don't get to fake. like you have to have <laughs> it's like you don't Man. that's my problem oh <laughs> so it, yes it, like yeah. confidence is not arrogance and i think that those two get really mishmashed together a lot 
confidence is like confident in myself to do the work. I am confident in myself to show up. I am confident in myself to hold this space and figure it out. Arrogance is, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm pretend anyways. And like, I might end up in a situation that's over my head and I'm still going to act like everything's okay. And like very often other people pay the price for arrogance. Mm -hmm. Someone gets a haircut, color up belief or whatever. And it's like, it's both. You can be confident and be modest. You can be confident and still be humble. I actually think that they go together very importantly. And so like the idea of fake it till you make it, it's like, like 5% of the equation could be taken care of that where it's like, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyways. 95% of it is hard work and tangible results and like pounding the pavement and being willing to do things that like sometimes other people aren't willing to do. And I think things have changed. There's a lot more like streamlined ways to like success and fame and recognition with social media Mm -hmm. like there is still a level of work that has to go into it that like a lot of times people take for granted i think yeah i I think that self-confidence comes from successfully navigating or achieving something that was very hard that you couldn't do that you gained that experience from doing it's not something that you just put on it's not a hat that i put on or a tie i put on and all of a sudden i'm self-confident that confidence comes after achievement. And then I can look and say, okay, I know that I've handled this one situation. This next situation is not really that much different. I think I can handle that too. I also think it's trust. And it's like, you do that through evidence. It's like you show up a certain way, like you do the work, like you prove to yourself, you can do something. There's a lot of like underbelly to confidence that doesn't always get talked about. And like, I do, it's, it's these like, kind of behind the scene things that like very few people actually get to see. It's like spending time listening to podcasts, like watching what you're consuming, like practicing dexterity. Like it's all the things that kind of happen behind closed doors that allow you to show up confidently. Like I know when I first started speaking on stages, everyone's like, you're such a good speaker. You're so this, you're so that. What they didn't see was the two hours before where I was pacing the hallways, like not letting anyone talk to me, like listening to all this stuff in my ears. And then the six months before that I practiced my presentation and wrote it down and like, they don't see all of that time put into it. They did the poison. They're like, oh, you make it look so easy. And it's not <laughs> actually yes. yes, like none of it is actually easy, but I, you do it because it's worth it. And it does become easier. It does, but Absolutely. it's like the work on that front end. It's like very often does get taken for granted. Yeah, yep. I would agree with that a lot. I feel like I need to sit with this for a minute. <laughs> like <laughs> processing time, <laughs> I do. We go deep fast. I know, but you know what? I love that, and I feel like that's kind of almost like how you and I like with our friendship. It was just like we like jumped in immediately. <laughs> like nice to meet. You and talk about childhood trauma. Absolutely. <laughs> so, how do I get clarity? about my goals and what I want my career to be? That's a good question. question. I think it's, it is a different process for different people because I know people that have a level of like clarity and focus just naturally. And then there's like a refinement. And I've done a lot of study of like human design types, gene keys and like different things that like make up who and how we are. Even like things like astrology, like you can get into these things, but at the core of it, what is people are made of many different components that cause them to process and to think of things very differently. Clarity are, is like one of those things that feels a little ethereal in a way of like how to get it or how to direct it. And I think it comes first and foremost of being willing to like 
get really like vulnerable and intimate with yourself mm-hmm. of like how you process what feels important to you. Some people need to write those down. Some people need to sit there and think about it deeply. Some people need to take action immediately and be like, oh, that's not for me, but this is. And I know like in my, in some of my like human design and things like that, there's things that are like, you're not meant to have a clear purpose, but like you're here to create this like overarching X, Y, and Z, whatever. And that kind of messed with me for a while. I'm like, why can't I have a clear purpose? Why can't I, I need clarity. And so clarity was actually like this like thing I was like chasing for a while and so I went through a process with myself where I was like, okay, what am I good at? What do I love to do? And some of the questions that like were really impactful was like, if money was a object, what would I spend my time doing? Mm-hmm. Like what creates fulfillment for me? Mm-hmm. What inherently do people come to me for? And so it's like, you start to create this like version of yourself that you're like, oh, I really love these parts. And then you can start creating like a career path based off of the things that are actually aligned with who you are and completely devoid of things that other people think you should be. Mm-hmm. And I think that the clarity gets really convoluted when we take on all these other people's opinions and we start going into the should language. So it's like, I should be an educator. I should be a salon owner. And it's like, if you're saying you should, you absolutely should not. If you're like, especially salon ownership, I hear a mm-hmm. lot of people are like, I think I'm going to do that. It's like that. It takes a level of dedication. And time oh, yeah. If you want to do it like truly from the core of your being <laughs> it will not for the faint of heart absolutely and so I think it starts with a lot of self-knowledge and that may seem like like a but clarity is something that unless you're willing to go in deep and start asking yourself questions and getting to know yourself it's really hard to attain a level of clarity without being unduly influenced of other people yeah was teaching a class a while ago at a salon and a part of what we were doing were creating like client, what do you call them? Like basically like demographic worksheets. Yeah. Avatars like going through and like, okay, who's your ideal client? Let's figure this out. Let's like figure out all these different aspects of them and make them into these little profiles. And it's like doing the same thing, but with yourself, like really understanding that same thing. And it's, oh my gosh, like we, we, from the perspective that I have is like, okay, like we're looking at our clients a certain way and who do I want to attract and who do I want to sit in my chair and who's this ideal person for me? Who are we in ourselves as well? And how are we going to attract those things that we want to? And it's like, oh my God, (laughs) I feel like I just had an aha moment, (laughs) full circle. (laughs) There is such a beauty about being honest with yourself about the things that you really love about yourself. Like sometimes like we formulate a goal from a place of deficit. It's like, oh, I need to make this money or I need to do this. And it's like trying to attain something that we feel like we're at a deficit at. It's like, what if you're living fully embodied in like everything you love doing and like you were showing up in a way that you love showing up. And I think we're seeing that a lot in the industry where people are like specializing or niching down or like they're controlling their business in a different way that feels like really soft and gentle of who we are as people. And I think clarity from that place is like alignment. It's yeah. like you get a in many ways and it allows you actually to have holistic life versus like just a career. It's like, oh, I'm like happy in my home life. I'm happy in my recreation. I'm happy in my career. Like I feel great within myself. Mm-hmm. Like it allows a level of like holistic presence when it's aligned from that place. Yeah, absolutely. I just I keep thinking about again, going back as 
in that student perspective and sitting there and being like, if I had the ability, not saying that I want to go back, but as a student, like having the <laughs> ability, like sit and really understand those things while I'm still in school, before I'm leaving the safety of the school that I'm in to go out into the real world and knowing all of those things and coming from that inner perspective, I think is going to allow students and these new professionals to find the right salon to interview yeah. the salon they're going to and not be interviewed by them to show up and actually be there for themselves. And it's like, I, again, I just, I love that we're able to talk about stuff like this today because I think it is going to bring in this new era of kind of like human and, and what we're to, to give because we then go in and give to our clients every day. And so it's like, we have to be able to show up for ourselves too, to then give to them and full circle off that way too will increase longevity yeah and it'll like students actually sticking with the career because it's like those beginning years are usually so rocky it's mm -hmm. like it's hard and like sometimes you end up in toxic relationships in salons or in whatever or it's like you're trying to build a business having some of that kind of bypassed through like self energy and sense of self and being able to like have a level of clarity that like I think is like a new collective thing happening. Like people are like, are focusing on these things a little bit more intent and like having these babies look at them through it, like at in school mm -hmm. and like figuring out that while they're in safety of the school environment, like that is a streamlined process. Like I wish we all had. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Russell? We should be charging for this is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is too good to be given away for free. But that's the beauty of it. Give it yeah, to oh them yeah, so they absolutely. have it. <laughs> absolutely. The, the career is different skills at different levels. When I first start in beauty school, I'm focused on how do I gain technical skills so that I can do this technical job that I have to do. Mm -hmm. And then after I get good at that, it takes four to five years. And I start thinking, okay, how can I relate to more people. Because in the beginning, I noticed that I'm only relating to a small segment of the market. The more people that I can relate to, the wider the clientele that I can attract. And then it becomes, how do I maximize my time? Because I've only got so much time to spend you know, during the day, and I can't do this 24 hours a day. How do I maximize my time? And then it becomes, how do I maximize my joy and doing this job and career and what type of people do I want to do and what type of people do I not want to do? Uh -huh. So if we can take all that stuff that I've had to drudge through for 30 years and make you think about that in the beginning, oh, that makes your life so much easier. You know, and with social media, it's so easy to say, okay, I only want to do blonde mermaid balayages. So that's all I'm going to post on my Instagram, and I'm going to really gear myself towards that one specific skill. And then mm -hmm. at some point in the future, if I want to change, I can change. I don't have to do grumpy nurse ratchet who comes in every Thursday to get her wash and set. <laughs> so I, I think us sharing our experience enables someone new in the industry to open their eyes to possibilities that they may have not thought about or considered before. And I think just bringing up the fact that you're going to be afraid, but you need to take yeah. action anyway. You need to trust in yourself. And you can always ask for help. Always ask for a second opinion. Always ask your instructor. Always ask someone on Instagram. I've had people DM me and say, hey, Big Daddy, how do, how do I? They didn't say that, but that's what I read. That's what I read. And how do I do this? You know, let me show you how to do that. So there's... 
a lot of opportunity to be had for someone that's willing to take step to take a step forward in the face of fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a brilliant point that you made out early on in this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I do have to say, though, Russell was my, like, I don't know what I'm doing and I have no one to ask. And so I'm going to call you. And he would always answer the phone, even when he was with a client. And he would always help me. (laughs) Oh, you poor girl. I wish you had a better mentor. (laughs) So with your whole journey and everything, and especially with what you're doing now and the ability to have delved into your own journey and trauma and everything else, I am actually very excited to ask this question, which I love to ask. And I ask a lot of people on the podcast, what advice would you give yourself today talking to yourself back in cosmetology school? Ooh, that's a big one. What advice would I give myself? It's hard because I'm like, I'm really proud of that girl, what she did. And I'm like, I would be like, keep going. You got this. Everything you want, you can have. Yeah. Like you can literally do whatever you want. Like don't, I, I think I probably would say, and it was probably more like, pretty quickly, like post-graduation, let myself get taken advantage of pretty severely at the first salon I worked at, which equal parts was an amazing learning experience, but I would have probably encouraged her to stand up for herself. I I got in a bad situation because I was like soft and shy and quiet. I would have been like, you stand up for yourself. You say what you need to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that you're proud of the initiation (laughs) into the, what was that? I said, I love that she's proud of her younger self. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) It is. (laughs) There was a lot of things I think, but when I look back, I'm like, they all had a purpose in like the learning, maybe like immediately after it didn't feel like that. But now I graduated in 2005 or six, like not quite 20 years, but close enough, like where it's like, Looking back, I'm like, oh, they all taught me something that's like essential for where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like, I'm like, yeah. yeah. And so I don't know. I feel, I think that there there was more room though for me to like use my own voice, which is something I learned later on in life is to really like stand up in a powerful way, like not an aggressive or a necessarily broiled in conflict, but like really like knowing worth and like setting limitations for how other people could treat me. Cause I think like, I learned a lot of that in education as well. Like early on in education, there was a lot of lot of situations where it's like the yes culture, where it's like you set no boundaries and like you run yourself to an unhealthy situation and it's like all the things. So I think some version of it's okay to say no or it's okay to set a boundary. Mm-hmm. Like I think that would have been a little bit earlier on yeah. in my life. I love that. <laughs> so thinking about self-talk. We've, we've talked about a lot in this podcast. What are some good guidelines for positive self-talk that can actually help and empower you and not feel like it's just complete BS self-talk, just raw, but actually self-talk that can actually make an improvement and a difference? That's an, an interesting question because I feel like we're kind of like affirmation culture where people mm-hmm. are like affirmations. Mm-hmm. And Think they don't work if your inner voice like says no you're not if after you say it so it's like i am abundant and your voice says no you're not like, you're actually affirming them like it actually does the opposite you're continuing to affirm the story that you're not so i think it's twofold it's like finding some edges and some push like where you're afraid and okay what am i scared of when it comes to abundance what's the story there and then also finding the truth like i i enjoy the feeling of abundance like that can resonate as true for like trying to make yourself something that you don't necessarily believe you are yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's like finding 
within this statement. And so I think that's it. I think the flip side of that is not letting yourself disparage yourself like continually, like finding ways to stop it. And you can have a key word. So like the, the things to look at is like always and never and should. So it's like, I'm always late. You are, yes, you are. And yes, you will be for the rest <laughs> of your life. If that's right. But it's like, even if it's just finding a different, I'm always late. No, these were the times where I wasn't late. And you start to find evidence to the contrary. And like, you start to soften that story. So it's finding ways to make it true and make it where it actually feels true in your body. And then finding the stories where it's like, oh, I'm going to disprove that. I'm not always late. I was on time for my cousin's wedding. That was exciting. I felt really good. And so the affirmation, because I, I am a person who's on time. It's like, that is true. I'm never late is not true, but I am a person who is on time can be true because you were a person that was on time at one point. And so it's finding the things that resonate is true. I think that's really so reframing the self-talk to something that could be more reasonable and connects with you more. Yeah. If you're telling yourself something that you know that is inherently untrue, you are like re-solidifying that story. Mm-hmm. And so like you start looking at yourself for some, I can hold abundance. I love the feeling of abundance. That creates the same energy. It's like being an abundant person, but it's told from a place of being true. And so mm-hmm. it's like you're getting the same impact, but your body's not resisting. And like, we know that feeling where you're like, I am an abundant person. And you're like, you have that little like, like don't force that on yourself. Find the truth and find what feels aligned. It feels like warm and exciting. Like something like self-talk will either expand you or contract you. And so if someone does something and like, we're starting to talk to ourselves and we feel ourselves like back and getting smaller, like sometimes it's physical and sometimes we can feel it emotionally. It's like, there's something going on in your head that is causing a level of contraction. And so it's also just being aware of that. It's like, what am I actually saying to myself right now? Whoa, that's something I heard my mom say to me my whole life or whatever. You're just like your father or whatever. It's like, <laughs> whatever that is, it's like we have the running story. So it's also just being aware of it and being like, no, I don't want to believe that anymore. What do I need to do mm-hmm. to challenge? Uh, or it's like, I am like my father and these are the good things about it. It's like reframing it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I feel like this funny is a really story. good. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I feel like this is a really good practice for people who are especially in school right now to maybe make a list of some of those things and then write that out and start to believe those right now while they're in school. Because I, some of the things that I can remember telling myself is I was so scared to go look for a salon. No one's going to like me. I'm not going to be enough for these people. I'm not and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, gosh, like, everybody needs to go write these down, <laughs> go figure all of this out, start talking to yourself like really positively and find those like loving things and true things and like work on those because like you are going to be really good at being a hairdresser. You are going to find a job. You are going to find the salon of your dreams. Like you are going to do yeah. all of those things. Even just stopping the negative self-talk when you notice that you're constantly telling yourself mm-hmm. that I am not good enough in a certain area. Just say, no, no, that, that's yesterday, Russell. Today, Russell is not going to say that. There's two words I think that soften that a little bit is like being excited about something or being curious about something. So it's like with that negative self-talk, yeah. I'm never going to find a salon. I'm excited to go look for salons. It's like reframing it into a level of there's still tension there. There's still an unknown and you're not like gaslighting yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. But it's, 
I'm like, you're allowing yourself to feel an emotion that feels accurate. I wonder what it would be like to cut short hair. Not like I could never cut short hair. I'm terrified of it. It's like, wonder what that, like curiosity and excitement are two emotions that kind of live next to like, excitement lives next to fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's like we things that we're afraid of and be excited about them instead of afraid of them. And it can still feel aligned because they're like on a frequency level, very, and I think that's about this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's even if you're, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was going to even if you're Eeyore, Eeyore can improve his self talk. I would be like, I'm not completely miserable to go check out a new salon today. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like with the the curiosity thing of I wonder what it would be like gives you permission. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like I have permission to go try and not be -hmm. so scared to screw it up, but like at least give it a shot and see what it's like. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Excitement as a kid. Like that comes really natural. Uh, But like, what happened if I want to talk to this stranger and they become my best friend? It's like, you have that really. It's like kind of tapping back into that and letting yourself, like it's giving yourself some space to be a human and also being like, Hey, I can go try these things and it's not going to kill. And so it's like, we call it a window of tolerance. So it's like, in trauma coaching, it's like you, it's where you feel that edge where you start to get a little dysregulated. It's like finding ways to push that edge a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And you do that in small increments. It's not like in massive jumps. That's actually where trauma occurs, mm-hmm. but like it's window of tolerance and it can be small things that are edgy. It's like, okay, I'm going to cut a mannequin, but then it's like, now I'm going to cut a mannequin in front of other people. And then I'm going like, to show someone the haircut that I did. Oh, I'm going to make a post about it. It's like, you start to edge a little bit and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm the pixie specialist in my town or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God. Facing that fear and taking action towards it. Even if you fail, it's okay. I knew that reminds me. I was at a hair. It reminds me. I was at a hair show and this girl was at the bar and she was ridiculously good looking. Like, Totally out of my league, but I'm like, you know what? Big Daddy's feeling positive. He's going to go up and shoot his shot. And I walked up and she shot me down in flames. Excuse me, I'm going to go to the bathroom and just never freaking came back. (laughs) My self-talk was, you know what? I'm proud of you for going up and even saying hello. And I felt good about it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I was shot down hard, but I still felt good about it. So the next time you're going to do a mannequin head, just think, at least I won't get shot down as hard as Russell did with that model from from Sassoon <laughs> at Long Beach. <laughs> it, it's it, like the story we tell ourselves about rejection is always so much bigger than the actual reject. Yeah. It's like, it's like we're going to be devastated. We're going to die. Like we get these feelings of panic and it's like half the time it's like, oh, that's okay. That's okay. You want to give me a phone number. That's okay. Like we yeah. don't have... We don't, sometimes we'll have like scary feelings, but it's like the, the actual rejection is really rarely as big as what we make it to be in the first place. Yeah. I bought myself flowers that <laughs> night. <laughs> so where can people is- find more information about you? How can they yes, get so in touch? I've got two Instagram accounts. I've got Cassandra Platinum. That's pretty much all things hair. Uh, it's got a lot of color education on it. I've got, and then I have a coaching um, Instagram that's like dives a little bit more into like my personal story and some of the stuff that like I've processed through over the last couple of years, which is a whole other episode. <laughs> but, um, so that's CXC coaching. Um, I also have my website's Cassandra Platinum. Both of them are under a revamp right now. But if anyone has any questions or whatever, DM is usually the best way or email. And both of those are on my Instagram. Awesome. 
But thank you so much for coming on and sharing and uh, helping improve my life. And I'm going to be very selfish about this one because that was some good content there I'm going to have to re-listen to. And also, check us out on all of the podcast platforms. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you'd like to hear in the future. And on behalf of Miss Annie, my co-host, we will talk to you soon.